Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how's it going? It's going good, Henry. Happy New Year. Can we still say that? Like, <laughs> I think so. Happy New Year. <laughs> um, but happy to be here talking to you guys. Awesome. I'm also joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how goes? Hey, hey, goes well. Happy New Year. Excellent. Yes, Happy New Year from the Comic Sauce Podcast. Today is January 11th, 2024. Our first episode of the year and kind of a special episode. We're going to talk about the movies of Hayao Miyazaki, a Studio Ghibli special. Uh, and we're looking forward to getting into it. Um, so, yeah, let's get right into it. Each of us chose a Miyazaki movie and um, we're going to talk why. We're going to talk about why we chose our particular film. And um, we all watched like all three of these. So um, we can all chime in with our particular takes on the movies and uh, just talk Studio Ghibli stuff in general. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to go in chronological order here. The three movies we chose are... Kiki's Delivery Service from 1989, Princess Mononoke from 1997, and Spirited Away from 2001. Uh, so let's start with Kiki's. Uh, first off, the IMDb plot synopsis for this movie. A young witch on her mandatory year of independent life finds fitting into a new community difficult when she supports herself by running an air courier service. All right. Uh, so this one was Perfirio's pick. Perfirio, why don't you tell us why you picked this one? Yeah, so if memory serves me correctly, this is the first um, Miyazaki film I watched when I was a kid. I think I was maybe like, four or five when I first saw it um, and I hadn't seen it since so I really just kind of picked it to like revisit and watch it and I just think that you know when you think of a Mizaki film it's not the first film that comes to mind you know um, I don't know if you guys can agree or disagree with with that, but I don't think it's the first film that comes to mind. And so I was just like, you know what? I haven't seen this film in hella long. It's been over 20 years since I've seen it. Let's see how much I guess like it like it's it's there at the back of my mind, like how much I remember it and why I liked it as a kid. So I was like, let's let's watch the let's watch this one. Right on. Yeah. Um so for all three of these movies, I did have kind of a take on like a pop culture equivalent to the movie. And um for this one, 
it feels a lot to me like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. That's kind of my pop culture equivalent for this movie. Um, it's it's not like shot by shot the same by any means, but th- there there are a lot of parallels. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool, Perferio, that you saw this at such a young, young age, because this movie really is perfect for young children. It's rated G. It's very wholesome. It's very gentle. Um, it's like not violent at all. And it's like it really is a kid's movie. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty cool. You saw it as a kid and you wanted to revisit it as mm-hmm. an adult. Pretty cool. Um, but yeah, um, we don't have like a specific format for today's episode. So feel free to throw out any thoughts. Uh, yeah, Christian, any thoughts on Kiki's delivery service? Yeah. So I also watched this when I was a young child. This might also be my first one, I think. Uh, it was a long time ago. I was a little older than Perfira. I think when I watched that, I think it was like eight or nine. Um, and I think my experience back then, I liked it as a kid, but um, I I think there, you know, there were also times I think I was like kind of bored by the movie. I remember, like, I remember not wanting to go back to it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I did. This might be the first time I've seen it since I was a kid. It's like the kind of thing where it's like you like it, but um you don't really think about going back to it but i'm glad i did i think there's actually a lot to really like and appreciate about this movie like i'm surprised by how much i i ended up really liking this one um let's say like uh i in terms of like the that's funny the pop culture equivalent i i was thinking of is like that really came to mind nowadays. I think in because it's really the vibe, not in like kind of what you see, but the way you, it you the movie makes you feel is uh lo-fi chill hop beats for studying. Oh. <laughs> and um because like, I see a lot of like Ghibli jazz uh mm-hmm. YouTube recommendations, things like that. Like and this kind of feels like it really encapsulates the feel, even though that's not the soundtrack at all. It's a very laid back movie. Or I think the other one I thought of was like Animal Crossing. Mm. low you know it's very low-key it's very Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like you just kind of hang out with the characters for a couple hours as they kind of just kind of go on their day-to-day life you like the characters so so you're you're kind of in with it it feels good it's very easy going um until the movie, you know, there there is a, a character arc and a climax, but the movie just, you know, you kind of you you hang out with them until the movie's over, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't mean that in the bad way. I like I think I really appreciated the vibe of this one. Uh, rewatching it now. Yeah, I was definitely digging the vibe on this movie too, um, and yeah, like um, I think I had a similar sort of reaction earlier versus now where when I first saw the movie, which man, I, I really can't remember. I, it's probably when I was like a young adult. Um, when I first saw it, I enjoyed it, but like I didn't love it. And it definitely wasn't something I wanted to watch over and over or anything like that. Um, I think I really appreciated it a lot more when I saw it again this past week. And um 
Yeah, like I think before it felt like, okay, this is kid stuff and maybe a little boring. But watching it just recently, man, the, the storytelling is really good in this movie. And whereas before it might feel like a movie where the stakes are just like really low and it's just really light and fluffy. Um, I think the the way the story unfolds is it's really kind of compelling, you know, when when Kiki has her first delivery job and she she drops the package into the forest, man, it was like, oh shit. <laughs> like <laughs> something as minor as that, like, is like, oh my God, like the whole world is like falling apart because this is there's so much at stake here for Kiki, right? Um, and we're used to seeing stuff where superheroes are saving the world or, you know, life and death situations. And this is, in contrast, like a very kind of minor thing. But again, the, just the way the story is told, something as small as like a little package falling to the forest is like a major thing. And I was like, um, I was really like kind of gripped by the story. And um, yeah, like I keep thinking how this movie is appropriate for kids and you know is is a kids movie really um but it's it's made in a very you know uh mature way like there was one aspect of the movie that like i think i completely missed the first time i saw it and it's how kiki has this kind of odd social anxiety and they don't really go into it deeply in the movie and they, they don't resolve it in any way. But like throughout the movie, she just has trouble like relating to people and she doesn't like to be with groups of people and she's pretty introverted. And um, it, it handles it really well because like I saw that and like in ways I can relate to that. I know people who are like that. And um, I love how it didn't it didn't feel the need to resolve that like she didn't she didn't fix her social anxiety and they, they don't even really explain it that much they just kind of show it to you and they just kind of leave it there and and that was that right um pretty cool and like for a kids movie to handle like that that sort of thing that way i thought it was really awesome yeah you guys both bring up good points yeah like 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 I said, this is my first time watching like in 20 years. And it's so funny, kind of just like like there were certain scenes where I remember watching as a kid, but I think like as a kid I was just like paying attention to like the visuals and the actions, not really like the the storyline or mm -hmm. the dialogue. And so re-watching it, just kind of like filling those like blanks, I was like Oh my gosh, like that's uh like kinda like what you said, Henry, like this is really beautiful. Um it's an amazing storyline. Um you know what what I love about these kind of films is like like there it doesn't have to be like, you know, like a typical like superhero like action filled um story. But, like, a lot of Miyazaki's works, like, tell, like, certain themes or issues at hand, you know? And so, throughout the film, I was trying to figure out, like, what it was and stuff. And all I could think about was just, like, Kiki kind of, like, 
being an independent person, you know, she wants, she can't wait to leave uh, her, her home, you know, and she's only 13, you know, she, she wants to, that's when she starts her whole delivery service and everything. Like she wants to grow up really, really fast. You know, she wants to, see the world you know she wants to work and i it, it in this in a sense i think it's like about like kind of um like losing like that child innocence but not entirely it's just mm-hmm. like that brink of like learning how to be independent but still keeping like your your childhood or innocence intact, you know? And um, I think, you know, cause she, like, like, like we said, Kiki's only 13. And I think there were so many times throughout the film where I would just like rolling my eyes, like, Oh my gosh, did she really do that? Like, is she really going to make a big deal that she's like five minutes late to me meeting the, the, the boy, um, but then it has to remind myself, like, oh, she's really young, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like really cut her some slack, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, it was a really, it's a really, yeah, like, like, like you said, it's a rated G film, and I just think it's a really good film for like kids to watch, you know, about just like how the world can be so um like what's the word I'm trying to look for like beautiful and big um if you allow it to be you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's a great way of putting it yeah um oh go ahead Christian um I think like I was also gonna say to that um I think in our experience, actually watching it, it's cool that we all kind of had a, the same like kind of collective thoughts while watching this one and revisiting this one. And I think it's also a great movie like to kind of reflect on as an adult. You know, it's G-rated, and like I think a lot of adults would probably say, you know, no to G-rated movies unless I have a small child that I have to, that I'm watching it with. You know. Mm-hmm. But um, I think this is a great movie to watch as an adult and you kind of use it a bit to reflect on your own kind of upbringing. And like you kind of you kind of relate to Kiki of like, oh, yeah, I remember getting my first job at this age and having to do this. And you really want to impress people. And I think uh, there's the idea that Kiki's like kind of, you know, she's from a small town kind of going to the big city for the first time and how her way of living is way different. And she kind of feels like she she stands out a little too much from the rest of the city crowd. You know, they're just kind of at odds with her. And um, there's the the boy Tombo, who's like much more outgoing and like you know he kind of has a bit of a crush on her, mm-hmm. and like kind of mm-hmm. wants. But he's also into aviation, and he kind of wants to share that in his own way. And so there's a nice a nice little story there. And so I think there's a lot of like little moments like that, you know, she makes a friend and, you know, that I think watching as an adult, 
you kind of like graft a bit of your own experiences onto it and you kind of reflect on a bit of your life while you watch it. I yeah. think there's like a there's like an appreciation watching it and while like kind of looking back in a way. Yeah. I had I had a couple questions about the film. I don't know if either of you guys can answer them for me. So, you know, like we're all pretty familiar with, you know, Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki's work. And I think one thing that stood out to me about this one is that it wasn't really like in like in Asian country. Just it was more European, right? Yeah, seemingly. Like I'm not sure where it was based off of, but I want to say it was Italian. Yeah, and Um, I was just kind of like intrigued by like that aspect, you know, because. I feel like, yeah, like, most of Studio Ghibli's work, like, happens, like, at, like, the countryside or, like, just a little bit more nature, not really urban area. So that was one thing that stuck out with me, and to just, like, using a witch. Um, Because, I don't know, like, for me, I just see, like, witches as being, like, more of, like, a Western kind of um figure instead of like eastern so there were just like certain aspects i was just sort of surprised that like it was more like i feel like for like a western audience but i don't know maybe you can like correct me or say i'm reading too much into it but like what what do you guys think well one take i had and this is just sort of Miyazaki movies in general, is that they're not really specific to any culture or country. You know, they're supposed to be sort of like universal universal, universal type stories, right? Uh-huh. So if there's any like confusion or, or or vagueness to it, I think that's intentional. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but that said, like it does feel like, you know, this this city that kiki lives in is 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 like a like a like a seaside town on the italian riviera or something like that like i I could definitely see that Mm -hmm. it could be something like that yeah like it has this like it seems like it takes place around like the 50s or 60s Mm -hmm. um in like this yeah it's like you said italian riviera the way it's just kind of on the bay and you see Mm -hmm. Um, you see a lot of shots of the, like big shots of the water. I don't think it doesn't seem like it's anywhere specific. No, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of like, but there's kind of like it 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 gives us like there's like almost like a nostalgic vibe to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the with the way that it kind of shows this this kind of old old timey town or city, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking in that vein, the movie really is like kind of this idealistic thing where um, they're in this idyllic town. And I mean, the movie really doesn't have any edge to it at all. It's like everything's kind of perfect. Everyone, pretty much everyone is super nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything kind of works out. Like I mentioned, like there's that incident where Kiki drops the package and 
you know, there are conflicts that need to get resolved, but everything does kind of work out and, um, you know, definitely has like a happy ending. And um, yeah, it's just like this sort of fairy tale type setting. Um, so uh, like, you know, maybe this goes back to why um, some of us didn't like this movie as much before. Um, it's really, it, it's really light and fluffy, you know? Like <laughs> if you feel like watching like, an action movie where people are beating the shit out of each other. Like this is not the movie you want to watch, right? <laughs> you know, you probably want to pass on Kiki's delivery service. Um, um, yeah. And, and, you know, even what we've been saying, like a, a lot of this reminds us of our youth and, um, and is actually, I think is, is fairly re reflective of, of what it's like growing up. Um, despite that, like, it it's not very realistic right because um a lot of a lot of what happens in in our collective youth is traumatic right and this movie is not traumatic at all it's it's very it's it's very ideal like it's an ideal um coming of age story right um so i think that should be stated uh, if there's any like it, mainly we've been saying um positives about this movie if there's any like um negatives it's 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 maybe that that it's like it's too ideal it's 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 not a realistic portrayal of of anything really <laughs> um so uh it's like i'll, I'll, I'll yeah, say it's that like, <laughs> it's just like yeah good vibes all around <laughs> yeah like yeah like for me i guess like i i even like i think like the first like like probably half an hour you know when she arrives to the city um, I think what like because you said like you were kind of getting like low key anxiety when she dropped her first gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I was kind of getting low key anxiety when she first arrived to the city because I was like, oh, how are people gonna like accept her? And then she's just going around saying like, oh, I'm a witch, you know, like like yeah. can I live in your city? And I thought people's reactions were like a witch, like. Are you evil or whatever? It's just, it's just so weird that like people were just like accepted it and like or like oh like you're just a little girl like thinking, playing, like you're a witch, you know? So I guess it's just it was just weird to me to see how like accepted and normal and um you know all that was like people were just really accepting to to Kiki instead of like labeling her right away as a misfit, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there was like that one scene where like um, what, what's the boy's name? Oh, Tombo. Yeah, when his friends kind of like um, like say like oh like you know she were she's wearing like a black dress or whatever. And like Kiki kind of feels ashamed about it, um. But even then, like it's not like oh she's so weird, whatever. It's just like she they just point out like oh she's wearing a black dress, you know. It's just I wouldn't say it's like the ultimate jab, but it's it, it's just so 
I don't know if weird is the right word to use, but that like they Keith is just never labeled as a misfit throughout the film, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, well, that's the vibe of the movie we're talking about, right? It really kind of just touches upon stuff. Like it touches yeah. upon the pains of growing up where like we've all had situations where we feel like the outcast. We've had situations it, where yeah, exactly. like we're trying to do a good job and we're fucking up. Um and it, it touches upon it, but it, it it never really like hits us over the head where um, there's any like true trauma or terrible experiences. Like the, the real life equivalent would be this girl showing up in town and and like and her getting like like mud thrown at her or something like get out of here, yeah. freak, something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, or she or she gets fired from her delivery service because she failed to d- deliver the package on time you know like it, that, that it never reaches that point it it kind of just touches upon it but then oh no no it's fine it's fine it just worked itself out no no problem um so it's it's really just kind of light light and fluffy like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so we probably don't want to go too much longer on kiki's um but yeah any any final thoughts? Uh, maybe I'll I'll pose this one. I thought this might be a good one for all three movies. Um, oftentimes with Miyazaki movies, the question is, what was that movie really about? You know, um, you know, we don't have to go super deep on this, but any thoughts about like what like the the the, the subtext of this movie is? Like, what's what's kind of the hidden like, message here? Yeah, like the theme. Hmm. I, my take on it is just like um, growing up and independence, you know, like, like I said, like from the get go, Kiki, she turns 13 and she's just ready to go out into the world at fucking age 13. Like you don't even go to college at that age. (laughs) And um, it's just her like growing up and thinking she has to get it all like, figured out at 13 you know she's like i need to find a place to stay to live i need to learn i I need to know what um like how am i gonna make a living you see her go to the grocery store to like pay for her own groceries you know like um so yeah my take is i think it's just about like growing up being independent and kind of just like knowing that like you're gonna mess up it's not gonna be all perfect you know and it's okay you know just go forward you know and everything's gonna be all right yeah i had a very similar take like i feel like the movie is about a witch and there's magic and there's a talking cat and there's flying and whatnot but yeah what what it's really about is just what it's like growing up that's kind of the bottom line yeah um when you see stuff like her stressing out about her first delivery job and just dealing with fitting in with friends and stuff it just reminded me a lot of growing up and like later in life you kind of take it for granted but i remember at that time oh my god just doing little things like when i first moved away to college just doing laundry on my own oh my god it was like super stressful right and like like just the littlest 
thing is it could be the end of the world. Like if I mess mm -hmm. up this laundry, like I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? So um, this movie really captures that well, right? Seemingly mm -hmm. minor things are really amplified like during these years, right? During these coming of age years. Um, so I think, yeah, ultimately that's what the movie's about. Yeah. Like, I definitely agree. I think that's very much coming of age, growing up, kind of growing out of your shell, being somewhere new. I think, like, if I could add anything to that, I think, like, perseverance is also, like, I think pretty key, especially in those moments when it's, like, like, give all these little things about your life that you have to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you see Kiki persevere. Of course, she has a moment where she kind of loses faith in herself. She is like, it's like a kind of like a Spider-Man two moment. She can't use her powers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But of course she kind of like, you know, when she sees Tombo's in trouble, she kind of musters the will to kind of regain her powers and save the day. You know, Kiki, like she has, she has her kind of these minor setbacks and things that she's learning. But of course she always kind of, perseveres and works herself through it to give you know to get that like nice happy ending mm -hmm. indeed okay let's move on to our next movie princess mononoke from 1997 rated pg-13 here's the synopsis on a journey to find the cure for a tataragami's curse Ashitaka finds himself in the middle of a war between the forest gods and Tatara, a mining colony. In this quest, he also meets San, the Mononoke Hime. All right. So this one was Christian's pick. So Christian, why don't you tell us why you picked it? Yeah. Princess Mononoke. I love this movie. Um, it's a movie I saw as a kid, and um, I was a little bit older. I was probably in middle school, I think, when I saw this one. And I, I didn't really realize what it was like going into it, and like, like it blew me away. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like, whoa, this movie's epic. It's awesome. It's like Lord of the Rings, <laughs> but it, you know, instead of, but it's like Japanese, you know, it's got that and and like it's like the legend of zelda oh man this is like legend of zelda the movie and so i love this as a kid i love the movie as a kid i i've seen this like a few times and i i do still really really like it i think um this is like like definitely like the most action heavy one um while also having some pretty spectacular animation and music and like it's the Definitely like the Miyazaki, like or Miyazaki epic, you know, mm -hmm. the Miyazaki, Miyazaki like action movie. Mm -hmm. And so I always thought this movie was just so cool, you know. So that's why I picked it because I like it so much. <laughs> right on. Yeah, you mentioned the the Legend of Zelda. I was thinking the same thing. So before I was mentioning pop culture counterparts yeah in my mind the the pop culture counterpart to princess mononoke is the legend of zelda uh, there are a lot of parallels here um you know i was thinking like right now 
anime adaptations are kind of the cool thing to do now. You know, Star Wars has done it. Scott Pilgrim has done it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they kind of don't need to do it for Legend of Zelda because they've already done it here, right? Yeah, it, this has a lot of Zelda vibes to it for sure. And um, another take, uh, it was pretty cool watching this movie right after watching Kiki's Delivery Service because they are very different movies. <laughs> so Kiki's is deliver uh, Kiki's is rated G, and this one is rated PG thirteen. I don't know for sure, but I think this is the only PG-13 Miyazaki movie. Um, but it's pretty violent, you know? And to watch it back-to-back -back like that is pretty jarring because Kiki's is very gentle, very wholesome. And then almost in the very beginning of Princess Mononoke, you see a dude's head get cut off, you know? literally mm -hmm. decapitated, right? And there are like multiple decapitations in this movie. So it's it's a different movie. Like for people who think all Miyazaki movies are the same, like right off the bat of here, these two movies are like very different in in a lot of ways. You know, the violence level for sure, uh, but also like you know, like Kiki's delivery service is like you know, it's kind of like the little girl movie, right? This is definitely like the boy movie. I, I don't want to like perpetuate gender norms here but this is very like a boy movie right it's an it's an adventure there's action and uh and yeah like we've been saying like video game type vibes to it um but uh, yeah I, I also really like this one definitely uh you got some thoughts uh Perfurio? yeah sure so i honestly I probably watched this probably a few years ago. Christian recommended it to me when after one year after we went to Silicon um, Comic Con, and uh, it's, it's totally badass. <laughs> this movie just <laughs> like you know we were talking about like Kiki's not being like action packed. This one's just really good. Like there's a lot of good action. And there's just so many beautiful scenes, you know, like, like right off the bat, you could kind of tell like what this movie's about, you know, like when one of the opening scenes features like a, um, a demon boar and he's just, I think he talks about like, oh, like you humans brought, uh, you guys are all evil or something like that. And like, I don't know if you could tell right away what he means by it, but like, as you watch the film, you could definitely see that there's like this, like disrespect to like nature, like tree life and animal life from like industrial industrialists, you know, who um, try to, profit off like iron and at other natural resources. So um, just the scenery and the music, I think was just, it's, it's so beautiful, you know, and then there's violence, of course, which is <laughs> awesome, but, <laughs> but, um, but the, the, the nature of it is just really soothing. 
you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, this one is kind of known for um for being the movie that brought Studio Ghibli to an international audience, you know, and you can really see why, you know, with the earlier work, it's it's more like um slower type stories and um cutesy kind of stuff like Totoro and Kiki's and stuff, you know. Um but yeah, this one's like action packed. It's got a lot of adventure elements to it. And um, yeah, you seeing it again this past week, you really understand why um, it brought Studio Ghibli to a global stage. Um, it, it's a story that is like kind of like what we were saying before, it has universal appeal. Yeah. Um, especially the beginning, like the beginning of the movie. I mean, my juices were flowing, right? Like, you hear the story, like, the small town and this prince who has this mission where he has to, like, go see the world and um, venture out into the unknown. And, um, you know, uh, prefer you mentioned the the demon boar. Like, there's this battle with the demon boar. And it's, like, it's all, like, very exciting. <laughs> and uh, And the imagery is, like, super cool. Like, yeah, I mean, we could say that for pretty much all the Studio Ghibli movies, uh, but this one in particular, like, yeah, the the images you see with, with like the different animals and um, the action set pieces and everything, uh, it's really um, aesthetically awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I I love the way the the demon look is done with like the like kind of gross tendrils that come out of the arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Like, I think that's really cool. And like, it's like almost surprising, like what, like how gruesome the violence is because it's so different from a lot of his other movies. And it's like, wow, how is this not like R-rated with like the yeah. amount of like blood and <laughs> and like limb and head detachment there is in the movie? The amount of then like, there's the guns. But I think like uh, like and but I think there's also like a lot of meat between um, Iron Town versus kind of the nature, you know, how our hero Ashitaka kind of he's kind of a bit caught between both worlds, you know. He's got the the demon curse on his arm that mm-hmm. he's trying he's trying to rid himself of, and you know the town's the, the town isn't completely like the the evil doers, you know. Yeah. Because you see, like, uh, the way, the, like, there's the women of the town kind of like they run the town with the head of uh, see, Lady Aboshi is kind of your 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 antagonist, but the way she kind of uh, takes care of this town, there you kind of see a little bit of why why she does it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And she's not just some evil capitalist kind of just I'm just gonna deforest everything. Just to just to make more buildings, like in the like in the Lorax, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, she's also trying to. You also like don't want to see her succeed in like destroying this forest, you know, because you see these like beautiful forest vistas as uh, as you're kind of going through the movie, and there's like a big nature element to it, you know. So like there's you know like I'm always like kind of conflicted on how much I like like the antagonist or dislike the antagonist because of the 
Yeah, go, going off what you said, like, yeah, you bring up some good points because, like, I mean, I feel like right away you don't like her because it's like, oh, okay, she's the one who is, like, trying to profit off, like, the natural resources and she's trying to kill, like, you know, like, the the spirits of the forest, you know? But you, you see, like, the townspeople um, just, like, praise her for like being this the town savior but also like for her you know kind of like you know empowering women you know to so they can be independent and giving people who thought they were useless to give them purpose in life you know so um like you said, Christian, it's just it's it's really hard to see her as like the villain, even though like because she has like really good like um intentions, I guess I don't know. Yeah, but it, it's a, it's an interesting contrast, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. You guys are mentioning how the quote-unquote villain of the movie is not that villainous and yeah i think it's all kind of intentional because it's supposed to sort of blur the lines where well there is no enemy really right and and there's definitely a theme of of like love versus hate here right so the movie deals with a lot of characters that that kind of hate each other and are or wanting to kill each other. Um, but really it's it's like it's almost like the hatred is the villain of the movie, right? Um, not not any individual character, mm-hmm. right? And and it's and it's cool like the way the visuals are used because you really see the hatred explicitly, right? You see it or these like these sort of dark jelly looking things sort of taking over the forest <laughs> so you you literally see it like uh, you literally see hatred sort of dominating right um but where like uh love and acceptance conquers then like the the imagery becomes more lush and green and sort of nature kind of prevails right um so a, a lot of a lot of cool imagery to, to to match like the themes that we're seeing in the movie mm-hmm. Um, along those lines, I was thinking um, maybe some of the drawbacks in the movie, like, um, like I, I can't get over how awesome, like, the first half or so of the movie is where you really get this, like, exciting action adventure vibe. Um, but it really slows down in the second half and it really becomes a little more ponderous and introspective, you know um and it is cool like it really kind of dives deep into this whole like love versus hate theme and um kind of protecting nature and environmentalist vibes and stuff um but yeah if you were like looking to have a a a huge action dramatic climax you're not really going to get it in this movie um it's kind of a weird ending yeah and a little a little vague and confusing um 
But yeah, I'm I'm curious your guys' take on the on the ending of the movie because it's really not your typical like action adventure ending, right? Yeah, like they do like it is interesting that like the you're right, the movie does slow down a lot. And while there is kind of like a bit, you know, there's some action at the end. Um as Lady uh Lady Aboshi's trying to kill the forest spirit and you get like the big kind of like monster that it becomes where they like return the head. Mm -hmm. Um you do have that, but yeah, you're right. It is much more like it is a lot slower after like like pretty much once he kind uh he kind of goes into the forest with San and he 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 leaves Iron Town for a bit. And but I yeah, I do think the very very end of the movie is it does end kind of abruptly, you know. Once they return the head, you just get a very quick scene of what the characters are going to do next. And then that that is that is kind of it where it's just all right, I'm going to go do this thing in Iron Town and then Son goes back to the forest and that's just kind of it at the end. Feels like, and then you get a little quick shot of uh, the little four spirits, the Koroks, and the, <laughs> and then that that is kind of it. Where you're just like, well, I kind of wish it was. You, you kind of got a bit more on the resolution once they return the head, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I I do see that as a bit of a drawback. But I don't know. What do you think, Perfiri? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I guess the way I interpreted it was just, like, you know, like, they're, I don't want to sound like blanking here, but, like, that's the circle of life, you know, like, there is no, like, definitive, like, answer to, like, what's, um, like, how, I guess, like, humans and nature can, like, coexist and there's just it's just gonna be like an ongoing conflict that like that maybe does not have an answer and still needs to be figured out but like at least like there's a conversation going on about what could happen um and so that's how i interpreted it and i guess that's how it became like more like at ease with my interpretation that's like okay like there's no right or wrong answer nobody's like right nobody's um correct uh and that like both parties like nature and humans can go about their business and then just like yeah like learn how to um do their own thing and coexist in silence with one another. Oh yeah. That is a good take, but you know, it doesn't need a big resolution. Yeah. In a way there is no true resolution. Exactly. Yeah. 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 When I was watching this movie for the first time, I did feel like, kind of let down like i wanted that big action spectacle ending but if that if this movie had that ending it would kind of go against the whole theme of the movie right like 
two sides battling each other and one side coming out victorious like that's not really the point of the movie right yeah um on that note uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about you know what is this movie really about you know i had some thoughts but you know what do you guys think what's what's the what's the subtext here um you want to go first christian yeah this i'll start the- this is your pick. <laughs> I guess uh, we, I mean, we touched about on it pretty big. There's like kind of like this push pull between like, um, like human invent, you know, nature versus like, versus the humans, you know, versus mm-hmm. industrializing versus like, um, human society and how sometimes, you know, and how they can be at odds with each other, you know, and how they're, they're like, there's kind of like we don't really like to see what how Lady Aboshi going out deforesting, killing animals, you know. But we do see how that does benefit the town, and how there it there's like many sides to kind of that issue, in a way. And um, also, you know, there's there's also a way to kind of for nature and humans to to coexist with each other there's kind of like a respect that they do kind of form for each other at the end you know to be careful of nature and and don't go too far you know while still um kind of co you know coexisting with it you know it's like it's a very environmentalist message mm-hmm. yeah as we know right now you know a very important message yes yeah yeah, very similar to what Christian said. I think the, to me, I think the message of the film is like, it, one, yeah, it's definitely an environmental film, despite all the violence in it. Um, but two, it's just like respect nature, because even though like it is a film about like coexisting between like humans and nature, I feel like there was more um, like screen time towards screen time and importance to like the nature side because you know you have like that big um spirit of the forest um figure which looks like godzilla you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah and um just the importance of it and then how it goes into like a um animal form and um and all that so i just i think there's just more a little bit of emphasis on like on environmentalism and just like respecting it for what it is you know right on yeah i do 100% agree that there is an environmentalist message in this movie um, but also reading between the lines a bit, um, I think there's there's a message in there along the lines of like the power of overcoming hatred here. So this is like very timely too, like the environment stuff, obviously, but this whole the whole divisiveness of the world right now. This movie touches upon that a lot too, where. Um, we have these different groups, right? There's the wolves and the the boars and the humans and the apes, you know, and they're all kind of like 
looking out for their own, right? They want to, um, they, they're, they're all kind to each other, but there, there's some deep seated hatred to the other groups. And, and the message there is like, well, why can't we all like get along and come together? And you really see like the benefits of, of, uh, kindness here. Right. So it, I love the way it sets it up, how um, uh, it starts with Ashitaka getting this curse, right? And he, he gets caught up in this thing that he had nothing to do with, right? There's this demon boar that comes to his village and he fights it off successfully, but he gets infected. And it, it's like, it's sort of like the hatred that that birthed this demon boar had nothing to do with him he he wasn't at war with any of these groups but he got caught up in it right mm -hmm. um and so it, it sort of shows like hatred can really like carry over and really become a sickness right and that, we've been talking about that where like you really see explicitly the hatred just sort of like seeping out over the world um but then Ashitaka takes the stance of like, well, I don't, I don't, I choose not to be that way, right? And a lot of people are confused. They're like, wait, why is he, why is he doing all this? Why is he risking his life to help these groups that like he has nothing to do with, right? Um, but then ultimately, like his acts of kindness really pay off, uh, not for him, just himself, but for for everyone, right? So there's a, there's a pretty cool message there, right? Like right now. The world is so divisive and there's so much hate. Like, you know, if uh if if there's an approach more like this that we see in this film, it's it's a beautiful thing where you know uh compassion and kindness and love uh can can really conquer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. Right on. Okay, moving on. The third movie is Spirited Away from 2001, rated PG. Here's the synopsis. During her family's move to the suburbs, a sullen 10-year-old girl wanders into a world ruled by gods, witches, and spirits, a world where humans are changed into beasts. Okay, so this one was my pick. Uh, so I'll give a little background why I picked this one. Um, yeah, so I think a common a common take on Miyazaki movies is that they're very dreamlike. Yeah, they're like peering into someone's dreams, right? I think in in that vein, this is like the ultimate Miyazaki movie because it really feels like you're watching a dream. Uh, mm -hmm. It has this very cool surrealist imagery to it. And um, yeah, again, probably more than any other Miyazaki movie, it does feel like you're watching somebody's dream, which I, I think it's so cool. Like I'm sort of drawn to surrealist imagery. So um, yeah, kind of a no brainer that I, I really fell in love with this one when I first saw it. And upon subsequent viewings, um, I think it really does hold up. It's it's a great movie. It really is. Um, a pop culture counterpart. I think this one is very much like Alice in Wonderland. Another very 
surrealist <laughs> story. Um, but yeah, both feature a young girl who is like thrown into this wild, bizarre world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what'd you guys think? Any uh any takes off the bat here on Spirited Away? So let me see. We're what was the record that that film had for the longest time? Like best, like in Japan anime, yeah, highest film? grossing film. I think it was our like total highest grossing film of all time for a while. Yeah, until like my um or Demon Slayer. Yeah, like, Demon Slayer Mugen Train. I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. Took that title away from the. Okay. Yeah. The only reason I bring that up is because I remember, like, yeah, when um, Demon Slayer took that title, I watched it. And so that was, like, during the pandemic. And so I'm fairly new, I guess, to that to this film. And when I first watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, I can see why this movie is, like, had, like, that record, you know, like, for, like, most, like, box office like Japanese animated film or whatever title it had and it it's just a really great film you know it it's um, it has a really like slow pace in terms of what it wants what it wants to say and like the visuals like you said Henry are so surreal like like so many of the characters and um scenes are just things that you could only make up and think of like wow I can't believe they did that or whatever you know like the 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 head the lady in charge I can't remember her name but like how how her body is made it's like why those choices, you know, like there are just so many things that like, I guess as someone who loves film that I'm like, why did they choose it to do this? Why this color? Why this shape? You know? And I feel like that this film as a three films, a lot of, a lot, when I first watched, I was like, why this, why that, why this? And, um, as the film goes on, I feel like it kind of explains a lot of those questions, and it's just a really good movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I watched this movie. It was, I think, I watched it. You know, I was a young kid again. Um, I watched, it, I think, around the same time as like I watched Purchase's Mononoke, and like. Um, this movie is is definitely like much more on the surreal side. I do remember liking it as a kid. I'm not 100 percent sure uh, what I thought about it, but it's such a like whimsical journey that you can't help but just be like swept up in, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think of the like uh, Ghibli animation has always has always been pretty spectacular, but. I think this one is really one where they just really kind of flex that animation muscle of theirs and really mm-hmm. get to show off for some like e- pretty gorgeous scenes. Um, and like the way the bathhouse is done is so like vibrant and like full of life. 
and full of like creativity, the way the different like spirits are and like the way everything everything moves, you know. Um and like when you see the work like seeing um the like kind of the spirit in the middle that they have to give a bath uh to that's like smells really bad. Um mm -hmm. that gives uh was it Chihiro that little like um special gift it, like in that kind of part in the middle of the movie where she where she's working at the bathhouse. Yeah. Um I think is like really, really well done. And the way you kind of see just this like work environment, you know, kind of play out. Which I also think kind of like uh especially watching as adult, you know, as a working adult. Um, well, Kiki's delivery service is kind of, it's also kind of about, you know, a young girl kind of finding her way in the world and getting a job at the same time. I feel like this one kind of, uh, especially in the middle of the movie, like really has like, she, it's, it's kind of her joining like a workforce and being part of a workforce team, you know, whereas Kiki, she's by herself trying to make her own business, you know? Whereas this yeah. this one is like, oh well she's just, you know, um joining joining a crew and you kinda get to see a crew work in, in the middle of the movie with and she's got a boss, you know, with a boss who who's like, you know, a little, you know, kind of mean to her that kind of works as a bus you know, a bit of an antagonist in the movie. Um and like it is just like it is just like very it's like like a much more mystical adventure here you know yeah it's interesting you mean you mentioned kiki's delivery service because i kind of noticed that too that that they're almost it's cool we 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 had those two movies as in our choices because they're they're kind of good companion pieces they they have um some parallels but also some differences too and Christian, you mentioned um, the bathhouse scene with the with the stink spirit. That is such a cool scene. Like I can't tell you how satisfying it is when Chihiro finally cleans up that mess. It's <laughs> like it's just oddly like really satisfying, right? When mm -hmm. it's like, it's like seemingly, those, yeah, it's like those like pimple popper videos. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's kind of what it feels like. It's just, yeah. you know. It's so gratifying. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like yeah. like you had a really long day at work or something. You feel really gross, and you come out of the shower, and you're just like, ah, oh, I'm yeah. really bored. Right, and she's pulling out all the stops. She's using using those tags and getting the special special ingredients for the like the deep cleaning and stuff. And it's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> um. Yeah, there there are so many great scenes in this movie. Like maybe my favorite scene is near the end when um Chihiro is riding the train. It's like a ghost train. Man, that is cool. Like that is that is maybe the most dreamlike uh this movie gets where um it seems like the passengers on the train are ghosts and like the stops along the way are like barely there. They're just like kind of fragments. And it's almost like, like parts of it kind of reminded me of like inception 
where it's like, is that really there? It's like, is that, what is that? It's like a dream. You know? <laughs> and um, it's just so cool. And at, at, at one point, like later on in the journey, it's just like these weird kind of neon flashes just kind of go by in the distance. And you're just like, what is that? <laughs> and uh, yeah, with this movie, like, yeah, at first, kind of like what you're saying, Perfrio, there are a lot of questions like, oh, wait, what's happening? Who's that? And why Why are the parents turning into pigs and stuff? Um, but then, like, pretty soon, like, into it, like, you're just, you just go with it. You're just like, oh, my God, this is just wild. And you just go for the ride. Um, mm-hmm. So pretty awesome in that respect. Um, but, you know, it makes me think, like, maybe we can try to address some of these questions <laughs> like like if, to me this movie is the ultimate like what is this about Miyazaki movie <laughs> like why are we seeing what we're seeing um I mean there are so many questions but I don't know like I mean I'll just we could just spitball like why why do the parents turn into pigs why is the woman running uh this place uh like why does she have like an enormous head <laughs> i mean i mean, i you could go on and on every scene there are just like so many questions right so i don't know yes yeah. no face yeah well yeah who, who is that no face is like the coolest thing the like one of the coolest characters in the movie like and character design wise i love it but again it's like who is that? Like, why? Why is it? Why is it doing what it's doing? Yeah. So many questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I think a lot, there's a lot of different, like, interpretations you can have of this movie. Mm, yeah. Like, it's yeah. so dreamlike. And so, like, in a way, you kind of graft a bit of your yourself when you're, like, trying to decipher it. Kind of like Kiki's Delivery Service, but in, like, a much different fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Kiki is very real, whereas this one is very like surreal, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there is there Krisha, is there an answer to what No Face is and symbolizes? Um, I don't know. I guess like, um, without like, I guess I guess a lot of people have their own kind of ideas of what No Face is. Yeah, you know, I guess he's like this like spirit that like you know he has gold powers and then he gets angry and starts eating people mm-hmm. and just starts mm-hmm. like I, I don't know like watching it this time i was thinking like what and what this movie's about it's almost like there's this like theme of like i almost want to say there's like a bit of like the seven deadly sins a little bit but it kind of mm-hmm. it, not all seven i think are like present in the movie Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it seems like it's like the movie's about greed and gluttony in a yeah. way. Like that's what I was thinking. Mm. Yeah, like I yeah, to be honest, like uh the first time I watched it, I had to cheat <laughs> and look up what this movie was about. But um the the number one thing that stood stood out to me what this movie's about is definitely like what you said, Christian, greed. Um, I guess like consumerism, you know, cause there's like, there's like a couple scenes where like, you know, like for instance, the, the parents, they turn to pigs because they become like 
greedy with eating food that's not for them, you know? And, but, like, I feel like that, like, I know Henry said for Kiki's delivery service that there's not really, like, a, a total, like, specific area where that happens, but I feel like that is such a jab to, like, Western culture, you know, mm -hmm. like the the parents turning to pigs, you know, like I I feel like that's just a Western thing that like us here in the U.S. we have like this like big emphasis on like um doing whatever we want and not mm -hmm. thinking of the consequences. And just relying on like money to get us by, which is another scene which No Face kind of does, where like he or or they have like all this gold, and like the workers they just want like treat No Face as best as they could so they could get that gold, you know? Like mm -hmm. it, there's just like this like major importance on like greed and money and um and even like the boss lady like like her like she really doesn't give a fuck about like the little girl's parents she just wants to make the most money and yeah. the cheapest way possible you know so I just feel like this is just a really big jab on consumerism and I think like I said specifically like western consumerism you know but that's that's what I think I don't know what, what do you guys think mm -hmm. yeah I mean I do agree there's definitely like a greed and consumerism theme in the movie also like you know just just thinking right now about no face i guess it's not just kind of a i you know without any like uh prior thought but i was thinking like no face is like is is a character that like it could be anyone right literally no face right it, it could be anyone and it's like it sort of represents how um like the way we treat people is is how they'll treat you kind of thing where no face is, is pretty chill, but once you approach him with the attitude of like, Oh, what can I get out of this person? Um, then no face becomes like you, right? Like once they realize that no face could give them gold, they're like, Oh, let's let's get all the gold we can have out of this guy, right? And then he mm -hmm. becomes greedy also. He wants to eat everything and he eat, even ends up eating some people in the process, right? <laughs> um, but then when Chihiro approaches him with kindness and and she's just like, oh, I just want to help him, he like he 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 chills out, right? He's super he, he calm. Gets, he he's gets like kind of sick. He's doesn't know how to react to that. Right, right. And he's just, he's just, and then he's just like a, a chill, cool, like travel companion, right? And he, and he goes on this train ride with her and he's like really mellow. And like when he gets to, um, 
the sorceress's sister's house she's like oh you're gonna be like my assistant now he's like okay yeah cool you know <laughs> all right <laughs> so uh I, I think it's the i guess the message there is like yeah kind of a treat others like you would like to be treated sort of thing right and mm -hmm. yeah like kind of like with um with like uh princess mononoke we were saying how um hatred is like can carry over um and and kindness can carry over too uh yeah it, it's sort of this is along those lines as well right if you treat people with kindness they'll they'll be kind to you also yeah like and i think kind of see it also with um the boss that's uh i'm blanking on it it's like yo baba or something um, oh you you baba you baba um yeah. and how she's kind of like she's the antagonist in a, in a way she's like um she's pretty mean she's pretty like you, you were like you're kind of worried about what she's gonna do the entire time you know she, mm -hmm. she's not really kind of anybody who isn't her her baby you know yeah but unfortunately like even she kind of has like a bit of that like kind of clear-headed moment where she realize you know she doesn't even realize that she's seeing her own baby when it's the mouse until someone until uh it kind of gets spelled out for her <laughs> you know she there's like she's kind of like kind of she's kind of blind and only really cares about like you know making money yeah mm -hmm. um and all that you know and that's why it's almost like that's why she kind of holds holds uh, uh Chihiro's parents as as um as pigs. Mhm. Mm you know. But of course, you know, she does like she does have a bit of there is a bit of kindness within her, you know, I guess the way she maybe and like, you know. Unfortunately, she is the boss, so there's a part of that unfortunately ha maybe have to be a bit like that even if she takes it a bit far. And I think um, another thing kind of about the kindness, if, if you kind of note, like in this kind of spirit world, everybody kind of looks down on humans. You know, there's a, there's a mm -hmm. bad smell to humans. Yeah. That, um, yeah. Shihiro has, you know, they look down on them, but in a way they're kind of guilty about, of kind of some of the same like sins as humans are, you know, with the greed and, the gluttony but it's really the human that kind of kind of sets things right you know mm -hmm. and, with no face and kind of solves their solves the issues you know because she kind of reaches out the uh the helping hand the olive branch you know yeah so in a way like they learn something from the human to be you know Sometimes, like we think of, like to be human is to be to be bad, but sometimes to be human is to be kind. You know, to be human is to is to help help others. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking with Miyazaki movies, this is off, often the case where we're seeing a lot of surreal images and um magic and fantasy um but when 
when it really comes down to it, it really is reflective of like real life, you know, real human life. Uh, so I did this, this movie, I think is like maybe uh, one of the more extreme examples where you, you see like so many dreamlike images, but uh, yeah, a lot of the material does deal with like what we go through on a day-to-day basis. Right. Um, and we've definitely talked about it some, but you know, maybe we can go more about like what, really is this movie about yeah um yeah any thoughts on on that question hmm. we definitely de- delved into it but any any, any more <laughs> yeah, trying, any more on that any more any more thoughts um, on yeah any more um i mean the only uh, this is more of a question than an answer but like I was trying to like figure out like what was the point of using spirits, you know, just because in like in my culture and Latino culture, like spirits are, you know, like kind of like, you know, like the the all knowing wisdom figures, you know, the, the, the ones that maybe are trapped between like the afterlife and this world and whatever. Um the guiding kind of aspect. And so for this, I was just trying to figure out like what this why spirits? Because like you you said, Henry, like like humans are like um disgusting and looked down upon. So it's like why are spirits like the main focus throughout the film? Cause they are not <laughs> all kind (laughs) and they are not all like um wisdom and all-knowing so um i guess like yeah i i was just trying to figure out like why spirits because yeah from what i could tell it just seems like okay like spirits are also just as imperfect as humans but like there still has to be a reason why spirits were used, and I I just could not, for the life of me, think of an answer to that. Hmm. Actually, man, I think you're I think you're kind of getting on onto onto something, uh, where spirits are kind of like all knowing, and spirits are meant to be wise. Mm. And like, if you think of the yeah, there's but you know also think of like parents as also being that, especially as a young child, you know. But as you can see, the parents are the ones who kind of get into trouble. The parents are the ones who the dad is drives off the road and the parents come turn into pigs because they just start eating everything in sight when it's prevent presented to them. Whereas Chihiro is like the, the one who shows who like steps away and says, ah, I don't feel comfortable with this. This is this is not right. You know? And how maybe she's maybe this like young girl is really kind of the wisest one of all. And how like um there's kind of maybe there's a wisdom in you in youth a bit. Maybe there's a bit of um something like kind of good within her that maybe that I think maybe people lose as they grow up, you know. Mhm. 
that maybe they kind of come a bit too cynical of the world. Maybe they become a bit too, um, you know, maybe a bit more mean spirited as they grow up, and they kind of lose that that that, that more childlike wonder and childlike, you know, um, like in a way of kindness. Of course, you know, not all kids are kind. Not all kids are are Chihiro, who's, <laughs> who's a very very good and moral person. But you, you kind of see what I'm getting at. How like maybe, yeah. um. There's something about the way she is that kind of harkens back to like us a bit growing up and kind of a, like um, like a bit of a, like kind of a goodness and like with it like that we kind of see in like kind of be, you know, being a kid and growing up and seeing um, where she kind of doesn't Chihiro doesn't like lose that as she kind of interacts with the spirit world with her parents and you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'd say maybe so but so yeah maybe you're onto something with the idea that the spirits you know being all knowing is normally the case but they aren't here yeah yeah that's interesting you mentioned that christian because i was kind of thinking of something along those lines um how perverio you're saying you know in your understanding spirits are all-knowing and they guide us and here they don't seem to be like that but i don't know in a way like i think the spirits in this movie do kind of guide to hero to where she needs to go ultimately right i mean they take her on this wild journey but Ultimately, uh, she she uh, goes on the path that she needs to be on, right? Um, so, like, they work in mysterious ways, but, um, you know, ultimately the spirits do guide her uh, to where she needs to go. Um, so, yeah. And, um, and just kind of delving more into it a bit, like, I was thinking more on a surface level like i was just kind of asking myself like what what happened in this movie exactly how how can <laughs> you explain the sequence of events so uh, like like you were saying christian like this is a very interpretive movie like e- e- individual people can read into this movie in different ways right um but i was thinking that okay yes this girl was moving with her parents and she's starting a new school and stuff and they take a detour and check out this like deserted uh like um amusement park um but i was thinking like okay they did, maybe they decided to have like a picnic there and and like she fell asleep and the whole thing was like a dream and the end is when they go back to the car and that actually was when she was awake again right so that that was like my literal take <laughs> me me making sense of what happened right um but like yeah then the the bigger question of course is like like what what is it what is this about what does this mean exactly right so i like the idea of sort of comparing this with kiki's delivery service because that movie is a girl who's like growing up that movie's about growing up coming of age right and she has has responsibilities in her life for basically the first time and she has to mature, right? 
And this one similarly is a, is a young girl dealing with a transitional phase in her life. But instead of the theme of growing up and maturing and taking our responsibility, I think the message here is retain your youth and cherish your past, right? Because there's this whole thing about like remembering your name and there's that the character Haku mm. who forgets his name and mm -hmm. she helps him remember it. So there's there's a lot of value in like remembering who you were, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is like almost kind of the opposite of Kiki's delivery service where instead of let's move on, it's time to grow up. This is sort of like, let's cherish our youth um, while you still can before it's too late, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's 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 a that's a pretty big message in the movie, I think. And um, yeah, also interestingly, like kind of tied into that is I think there's like kind of a like a mental wellness aspect to this movie <laughs> where like a lot of the a lot of the messaging uh, in the movie is stuff that is reminiscent of like some of the wellness stuff that I've been kind of getting into since since COVID. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of the world is like kind of dabbled in meditation and just wellness techniques and stuff but you know I, i've i've you know I've, I've dipped a toe in some of that stuff and a lot of the messaging is kind of along those along the lines of what this movie has to say i think where um her parents kind of go off the deep end like full bore into com consumerism and they're literally like eating themselves to death right turning themselves into pigs literally um and then Chihiro is like, in in order to survive, she has to remember who she is and just kind of be mindful of her past and just not like mindlessly move forward and just consume, 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 right? Um, so there's like this message of being mindful of your past and also of like reflecting on who you are. Like there's a lot of like, kind of introspection right of like she has to know her roots and just not forget uh, where she came from kind of thing um so yeah in in a disjointed way i think i think that's that's uh a lot of what the movie's trying to say mm -hmm. yeah i think so and like and I think that speaks to just like the amount of like wonder in the movie, you know, like childlike wonder. Yeah, yeah. Imagination. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a lot of imagination in this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So those are the three movies we covered. Um, you know, we got a little bit of time here. I think we can kind of talk about Miyazaki in general, and um, just yeah general thoughts um oh here here's one i might throw out to you guys um do we see any commonality with these movies i think we all agree they're very different movies um but is there is there like some parallels with these three we want to call out i think the only thing i want want to say is like there's always like a deep social message with 
Miyazaki films. Like, one, the animation is beautiful, and the characters are really amazing. But two, like, I feel like most, most if not all of Miyazaki films, there's always a message. And it may not be clear, but there's, like, a message that, um, like, like maybe like yeah like the that Miyazaki always wants to like address, and um, yeah, so that's just something that I feel like he has in all of his films. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I would say, his his films are are very like thematically focused. I think that um, thematic, and there's always like a strong character element. Uh, to it, uh, whereas like um, you, you know, like the the way he tells plots are usually like the plots are always kind of just there in the background, you know. I'd say with like Spirited Away, the plot of her getting her parents back is it it shows up at the beginning and then kind of just shows up at the end, whereas a lot of the the big chunk of the middle is kind of like exploring like the the sets and the themes and like. Mm -hmm. All your all the different characters that inhabit it, inhabit them. His delivery serv service is so like it, you know the plot's just very laid back. It's just about a you know a girl just being in this town, you know, and it kind of explores it kind of explores like the themes of growing up there. Princess Mononoke, I think I would probably say is like the most plot driven, but of course as you kind of mentioned, Henry, like, um. What the main it kind of just ha the plot just also kind of happens around the main character. He kinda, it's just kind of something he's more of swept into, and just has to react to rather than him, um, you know, driving anything for driving the plot forward. He's usually it's just more about him keeping the peace, and that, and I think that also kind of extends to say as some other Miyazaki movies, where, uh. The, you know the plot shows up as a nice little hook but then it's he kind of explores the space a lot in the middle of the movie and and then finds a you know finds a way to tie it up in the end right yeah. and of course was... lots of flight like <laughs> Miyazaki yeah. loves planes and so there's always a lot of flight in this movie princess mononoke not so much that I don't. It doesn't really seem like there's really any flight in that one. Well, the, of course, the arrows are flying. I guess the arrows, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> but like every other movie is always about planes and flight. Porco Rosso, the wind rises, or you know, Kiki's right. deliver service. She flies. Yeah, Nausicaa. Yeah, Nausicaa, the Valley of the yeah. Wind. Yeah, Spirited Away. Even though Chihiro doesn't fly, uh, you know, there is a big flying dragon throughout mm -hmm. most of the movie with Haku. Yeah, yeah. I guess I what another thing I want to point out is like the visuals. Like it's just, it's always the same animation, you know, mm -hmm. with yeah. his films. Like you could just tell, like what, like you're watching a Miyazaki film. Like it's just I I don't know, you know how to describe it, but like you look at like Kiki's um, Spirit Away and. Uh, Princess Minoki, even 
his recent film, The Boy and the Heroine, like it just all looks like it, they could all exist in the same universe because they're just all visually the same animation, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love the fact that all the movies have the same animation style. And, you know, even even with the movies that we covered today, I mean, there's, you know, 12 year difference. They they could have like enhanced the animation. I th- actually, I think they did a few enhancements with uh, with Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away, but they're they're, you know, pretty minor. Um, they yeah. could have gone full bore 3D, you know, with CGI technology, etc. But it's so cool that they retained the the core style, that the 2D anime style. It's so awesome. And I think uh, it makes like a yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. On that note, it it makes a pretty big like case for the hand drawn animation. I think all mm. three of these movies have aged so well. Yeah, it still looks so good today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and you you do really see the hard work. Mm-hmm. Like in it, and it's cool to see the boy and the heron getting a lot of love right now. You know, another hand drawn moot, and like, and an age where that you really don't see that anymore. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's such a loss. Our looks so good. It looks so amazing because you know it has that like hu- it really has that human element to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool. Like you know, we re- revisit older movies sometimes on this podcast, and we always ask, like, "Oh, how does it hold up?" You know. A movie from I don't know 2018. Like, uh, is it is it does it feel dated now? Um, but I mean, these movies we're talking about movies that are 20, 30 years old, and and like they really hold up. They they really really hold up well, and it's it's really a beautiful thing. Yeah, you can't even like with these movies, and even like again, like just at the boy the heroine, which was just released last year like like I, I'm pretty sure like just ask anybody who's never seen any of these films and th- they could probably not tell you like what year they mm. these films were released or yeah. or like that any of these films like Kiki's Delivery Service was released back in the 80s you mm-hmm. know yeah yeah uh, hey, real quick, going back to like common themes. Um, that's cool. You called out flight, Christian, because yeah, now that you mentioned it, yeah, that we see that a lot <laughs> with Miyazaki. Um, but yeah, I jotted down a few when watching these three. Um, so one is the power of kindness. We we've talked about that quite a bit actually already. But uh, the beauty of nature. There's there's always like nature elements in these movies uh the wonder of youth like all three of these movies have young protagonists right um that's that's a common thing with miyazaki and then with these three movies here's an interesting one the value of hard work (laughs) like all three movies kind of touch upon like doing work and and work being like kind of an integral part of your life right um with 
I think with Kiki's delivery service, it's, it's most apparent, right? Where like work is like the most important thing for her. Like when she gets to town, like that, she's got to figure out that right away. Like, what am I going to do for work? I am, I don't have money. I don't have a place to live. I need to find a job. I need to work, make some money right away. So this whole delivery service is, is like what she comes up with and is, is really the centerpiece of the movie. But even the other movies, like in um, in the Iron Town, in Princess Mononoke, we're talking about how uh, the antagonist isn't all that evil because she's really good to her people. And there's this group of like former prostitutes uh, who work at this iron mill and, and uh, like they really love their lives because they're working hard and, and, and they have great lives. And, um, the former prostitutes. Yeah. 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 They, they were, they were yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they meant they, it's kind of a subtle reference, but they said like something about like, Oh, back at the brothel, things weren't great, but now we have good lives kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, just like work is like a thing like and, and then um, Spirit Away, it's pretty apparent, too, where like Chihiro has to find a job like she literally has to find a job or she's going to like fade away or something. Right. Like Haku's like, you got to find a job, like go talk to um, that spider dude downstairs. And then she ends mm-hmm. up working for um, Yubaba. Right. Uh, but yeah, interesting, interesting thing. Like I, I definitely didn't pick up on that when watching these movies before but there's like there's this value in work here finding a job working hard having an honest day's work like that's that's kind of a common theme too yeah i guess i never picked up on that but yeah you are right i think that it's like a lot of yeah, his they... movies mm-hmm. are about the yeah. value of hard work yeah and like yeah. kind of a passion between um like with that I guess you know, of course, of course, making these movies in itself is a lot of hard work. The hand-drawn okay. animation yeah. takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, a lot more time yeah. than if they just animated it. But they do it because mm-hmm. that's what they want to do. You know. Yeah. And like it, yeah. It, to give it a bit of a uh, like a meta f- sense. You know. It's funny you guys were talking about how it's it's hard to tell like when these movies were made because they're all kind of timeless. Like to me, like the only indicator really is the English language voice cast, right? Because, um, because the English language voice cast is always like the hot actor of the time, right? They're trying to sell the movie um, to English language audiences right um so uh, interestingly um you know this is a this is a comics podcast right there's some comic book connections here uh the voice of kiki in the english language version is kirsten dunst a very young kirsten dunst who would later on uh play mary jane in the Uh spider-man movies and mm-hmm. then uh, in the English language, Princess Mononoke, the main character, Ashitaka, is voiced by Billy Crudup, who would later go on to play Dr. Manhattan in the Watchmen movie. 
Uh, oh, wow. So yeah, so and there there are a lot of pretty interesting actors who who did the English language voices in these movies. Oh, just a real quick call out on Spirited Away. Uh, Chihiro is voiced by Dave Chase, who is not a fam- famous actress, but she did play the girl who comes out of the TV in uh, The Ring. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> pretty oh, pretty cool resume <laughs> like she played that girl and she voiced chihiro and spirited away so pretty awesome um and that brings me up uh, brings me to uh the next topic subs not dubs question mark how did you guys watch these movies because um i for one watched two of the three movies on Max, which notably only has English language. It does not have the Japanese language track. Um, so I had to watch Kiki's Delivery Service and Princess Mononoke in their dubbed versions. Uh, thankfully, I do have uh, Spirited Away on Blu-ray. So I watched that one uh, Japanese language version with subtitles uh so curious uh how you guys experienced these movies i mean i watched them all on max which is dubbed like you said so but i mean unpopular opinion but most stuff i do watch dub like (laughs) yeah like my Hero Academia, Demon Slayer. I I, I choose dub. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's hear how Christian watched them, and we can we can kind of get into that a little bit. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I think especially we're watching them now. I watched them all dubbed. I think I've seen Spirited Away subbed before. Um, but yeah. Mostly dub on Ghibli movies. Uh, the dub on Ghibli movies are always really good, and like you said, I always have like big actors in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, like you know, going past this, the boy and the heron has Mark Hamill in it. Like, yeah, right. I think uh, there's one with Christian Bale in, in, oh, in a dub. Yeah, I think uh, Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, Howl's Moving Castle is Christian Bale. I think George Clooney's in Ponyo. I think, um. So Christian Christian Bill is also in the boy and the heroine. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. He's right in on. the boy and the heron. Um, uh, and, and so is Robert Patterson. Two Batmans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh, let's see. Oh, Matt Damon's in Ponyo. Um, oh, okay. Let's see. And like you could see like all these like big names, like kind of big actors show up to do these voice roles for these movies. Mm-hmm. So it is. I think it is cool to see it. I do think the dubs are, you know, always like pretty, pretty well done. Now I did see the. It was cool to see the boy and the heron. I saw that dubbed actually. That was the only time I can get a ticket for when I watched it in the theaters. Mm-hmm. But the theater was packed, so it was really cool to be in like a fully packed theater for uh, you know, um, a subbed movie. You know, mm-hmm. and everyone was like really into it too. That's cool. Wait, wait, wait! You said wait. You said you saw it sub or dub in the um, theater. I saw the boy and the heron subbed in theater. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Um, cool. I may have seen. I think I also went to a re. I saw Spirit Away in the theater years ago when they re-released it. They also really re-released it in sub because mm. you can watch either. Okay. But yeah, most of, most of these I watched dub. Mm-hmm. Mm. The oh, okay. <laughs> I think the only movie I've seen in theater that sub is when when all of us went to go watch Godzilla. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, Godzilla minus one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is an interesting little mini conversation. Like, generally speaking, um, uh, the prevailing preference is subbed for anime um and it seems like with us you know we're 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 pop culture heads we're pretty deep into this stuff and uh you would think you know the exquisite tastes of us three <laughs> would would be <laughs> more on the subbed uh side but I, we're we're all pretty pretty clearly okay with with dubs i don't know what, what are you guys' thoughts about uh, this <laughs> debate here. I'll let you go first, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, it, it always depends. I think there's something about watching a good dub that, uh, especially with animation, I think like um, watching live action dub. We were talking, you mentioned this kind of, I think, before we started shooting Perfurio, but uh, like it's much harder to watch live action dub. Like that just doesn't feel like it really works for his live action so um live action or an, animation dubbed um like is much you know is much easier to to i think handle and like i think especially if it's a good dub i think i would prefer like a good dub you know it's my mm. own you know in english it's my own language i i have i do think with just anime some dubs are I've seen some pretty bad anime dubs out there or dubs that aren't nearly as good as the sub. And of course with that, there can be um, a few mistranslations here or some things that just don't sound, I think hundred percent correct, like correct. Um, Ghibli movies have a lot of money behind them and are much bigger production. So of course uh, I think those dubs are all really good, but of course, which is your, typical like anime series that might not have that level of production might not be able to get the best voice actors that they can um there's there are times where they've you know fallen short and the sub is definitely the superior way yeah uh to watch it and feels like in a bit of like the right way you know feels like you're, you're not missing anything <laughs> but i do i do enjoy i do enjoy a good dub some of my favorite animes that I've seen, I, I really, really like the dub of. Yeah, for me, like I said, I I just, I, I prefer dub. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I prefer dub just because, you know, sometimes, like, I do watch some of these s- stuff, like anime or or um, like non-english films like in the background and i just rather listen i i could listen to it instead of like i just feel like with sub which nothing wrong with it like 
fucking sub is also just as good because you get there. I feel like there's more intensity with sub, but you have to watch it. Like, you can't be doing anything else besides, like, watching it, you know? You can't have it on this background or whatever. And um, so I guess that's why I prefer dub, just because it's easier to follow and I could be doing other things while listening to all the action and dialogue that's going on. Got it. Yeah, you guys make good points. Like, hey, Christian, you mentioned how with animation, um, dubbing isn't as big a deal, like as big of a, a drawback, right? Um, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Like, um, whereas with live action dubs are usually just like the kiss of death, basically. <laughs> uh, with animation, there's a lot more leeway there, definitely. And um, I think, prefer you're alluding to this a bit, but with subtitles, you do have to read the subtitles, right? So mm-hmm. with Miyazaki movies, like the imagery is so beautiful, is so much part of the experience. Um, I I could kind of see a case for dubs there because um, instead of reading subtitles, you just want to like see these beautiful images and the dialogue, you can hear it, right? So you can keep your eyes on the image, right? There, mm-hmm. there certainly there's an aspect of that yes um that said though like i find myself using subtitles more and more in general these days anyway like for english language stuff (laughs) so um just because you know i mean there's been a lot of um articles written about it but like you know how acting has gotten a lot more subtle these days so you you have to have the subtitles on to actually hear what they're saying right <laughs> um and just other stuff like you know having a kid in the house or whatever outside distractions you got to have those subtitles on otherwise like i can't hear what's happening i gotta read subtitles um so i'm using subtitles more and more anyway so um i think i'm kind of training myself a little bit to have subtitles on so I can kind of take in the images and read at the same time. So um, that's, that's not um, so much a problem anymore. And yeah, there's all, all the kind of typical uh, reasons to do subs. It's the more genuine experience, right? This is like how you're supposed to experience these movies right um and yeah i i feel like when i watch spirited away with subtitles with the japanese language track um it did feel like okay this is how i was supposed to watch this movie Mm -hmm. um and it is cool when there's like a fame famous english language voice cast it was pretty fun like listening to Kiki's and Princess Mononoke and being like, oh, hey, whoa, that's that's Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And like, or oh, whoa, that's um, um, like I think Phil Hartman did did the cat's voice, uh, did Gigi's voice and Kiki's delivery service. <laughs> like it is like a little like, whoa, that's that's cool. 
um that is fun you know i i i dig it for sure um but i think we actually brought this up briefly when we talked about super mario brothers um there there's kind of a pitfall with a famous voice cast instead of hearing the character you're hearing the actor right mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. i think we talked about like oh man chris pratt chris pratt as mario like i'm gonna be thinking of star lord the whole time like that didn't happen but that can happen right um and i think you know, I was watching Spirited Away just that with the Japanese language track. Like I was just completely like wrapped up in the characters. And I my mind was not like, oh, who's that? Who is that voicing this character? Like that never came up, right? Um, so again, it's like just more of the genuine experience, like um like uh um no distractions, right? I can focus on this movie, this story these characters um so uh you know i think there there's a lot of uh i i i understand the support for for dubs in anime but yeah ultimately i think i think uh subs is the way to go yeah subs are the original way there you go (laughs) (laughs) all right any any last thoughts on Hayao Miyazaki. This is a pretty fun episode to do, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and you watch more of his films. <laughs> yeah, I do too. He does have a like a pretty great filmography. I think like um since yeah, I guess reflecting on it, you know, as a whole, especially because the boy and the heron might be his last movie. Um, but I do think he is like one of the great like auteurs i think Mm -hmm. that spirited away especially because that is kind of probably like yeah studio ghibli and Hayao miyazaki's biggest movie i think especially will go down as like one of the all-time classic movies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that he uses animation in a way to kind of evoke emotions and evoke kind of themes and do things that you, you really wouldn't see in live action you know and he does it in a very like kind of genuine kind of personable way i think i think that like eh, there's something about growing up watching his movies that feels like it um it feels like a big part of like in a, in a way growing up because his movies are about growing up and even even though you don't have to be a kid and grow up with these movies to, in a way to, 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 to grow up with these movies. I think that there's, there's something a bit also reflective when coming back as an adult. It's like you said, like Kiki's delivery service, maybe a G rated movie, but it's still like a very mature take mm-hmm. on growing up. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of nuance to it. So yeah. What I think he is one of the great auteurs cinema especially Agreed. in the animation realm yeah yeah oh i had a quick thought um yeah uh, this didn't come up too much but uh there's a very calming feeling watching a miyazaki movie 
like it's it's so different watching these movies compared to a lot of other stuff we watch you know action movies and horror movies and comedies where you know there's a very like visceral response when you see a great action scene right you get amped up or a good comedy will make you laugh your ass off a good horror movie will scare the shit out of you um but with Miyazaki movies you don't get those sort of extreme feelings right it's just like it's chill right you get you get calmed <laughs> down um what is, like it's cool like I don't, I don't think i've watched like this much miyazaki in a short period like literally this week just back to back to back these movies and um it's definitely had like this kind of soothing effect on me it's pretty cool and um yeah it's it's a different experience experience and um I, you know, personally, I think I need more of it, you know, I, watching, you know, action movies, superhero movies, like over and over again, and loud, you know, explosions all the time, like, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of numbing after a while, right? So I think this is a good, like, sort of antidote to that. Uh, it's, it's the chill, chill, calming vibe. I, I really dig. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These like these are such a such a nice vibe. <laughs> yeah. You know, where you you could just like you're it's it is very calming. You're here to hang out, you know, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. You're here to relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, last bit. Let's rate these movies as we normally do. How would you rate? Kiki's Delivery Service, Princess Mononoke, and Spirited Away. Who wants to start? I'll go first. All right. So Kiki's, I'll rate it four out of five. Um, I enjoyed it for the most part. I like the message. I just think, like, you know, like what Henry said, I just think it was too uh perfect like there's just like no mistakes within the film and i was i was like no that's not how the real world is i guess <laughs> yeah. whatever but um so i'll give that one to four out of five princess Manoki. um i'll give that one also a four out of five um Great action, great message. Um, and I think ultimately what I agree with both of you is that like it kind of just like towards the second part of the film, it was just kind of slow. And um, yeah, I, I, I think just like the, the pace of the film just kind of like turned me off at the second half. And then, uh, but it's a good film, really good film. Definitely love it and recommend it and love the message. And then Spirit Away, five out of five. I think there's just like very little flaws to the film. Like it's it's super out there. Um, 
the visuals are amazing. The characters are just super complex and super, um, like the there's a lot to digest with those characters, and the the storyline is just super good. So, um, five out of five for that one. Awesome. Yeah. How um, about you, Christian? Oh, oh, pretty much reflect that. Um, I think yeah, Kiki's delivery service. I'll go a four out of five. Um, great time. It is, yeah, but I do agree. It is you have to, you almost have to be in a bit of the right mood for it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it might come be a bit too slow. Um, which I kind of was the first time I watched it when I was you know much younger. Um, but it is just such a night, you know, it's just a nice vibe. Um, with Princess Mononoke, I, I think I might, I, you know, I love this movie so much. I think I'll bump it up to a five. Um, just cause I think it's just so cool and so epic. And, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm a really big Legend of Zelda fan. So five out of five. <laughs> yeah. Um, Spirited Away. Yeah, I could also give that a five. Um, I think that it is like, I think just the spectacle of what you're watching is so so surreal, so well done, and also like really puts you in this like very whimsical, dreamlike headspace as you watch it, and like it's like there's things that. Uh, I've seen this movie probably the most, actually probably the most. I think it's just kind of come on around and I've just found myself watching it a little more than the others. But I still find myself like kind of learning new things and kind of new interpretations, even as we were talking about it through the through the um, through the podcast. There's kind of different things you kind of think about. And, oh, maybe this is kind of like this. So mm-hmm. um, but I feel very similarly about all three of these movies. I think they're all definitely some of his best ones. Cool, cool. All right. So my ratings, um, yeah, definitely positive across the board for me as well. Um, I would give Kiki's a four out of five. Definitely enjoy this one a lot. And uh, more than I thought I would. You know, I, I kind of went in, went in expecting more of like a three, Um, but I found this movie to be delightful. A gentle, wholesome, delightful movie for sure. Um, And yeah, it's it's not really like a realistic story, but um, yeah, it it did surprise me. You know, we keep mentioning how um, it handles subject matter that is um appropriate for young children but it's handled in a mature way yeah and it's uh it's it's a it's a lot of fun and it's it's a it's great storytelling uh princess mononoke excellent movie really enjoyed it when it came out and enjoyed it again when i saw it saw it recently yeah, I think I've seen this movie a number of times through the years and and always enjoy it. 
And um, yeah, I keep going back to the beginning of the movie. I think it's the best opening act of a Miyazaki movie that I've ever seen. Um, for those who think these movies are boring and slow, like this is the counter argument here, right? Watch the first act of Princess Mononoke and you like you won't have that opinion. <laughs> uh, okay, Spirited Away. Oh, uh, four out of five for Princess Mononoke. Uh, Spirit, Spirited Away, same as you guys, man. Uh, five out of five. This is a masterpiece. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it's a dream come to life. You know, it, it, it's it's witnessing someone's dream on a screen. It, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, what more can we say about it? Uh, yeah, I, I do like the fact that it, it's a great movie. It's ha It has amazing visuals. Um, but it's also like I was saying earlier, the ultimate Miyazaki movie. It's reflected of his his body of work as a whole, right? Um, so I mean, it is kind of basic because so many people have seen it, and it is kind of widely regarded as his best work. But there's a reason for that, you know. Go see this movie, mm -hmm. and like, if it, it, it's almost like you have to recommend this movie to someone who hasn't seen a Miyazaki movie is sort of like, okay, you haven't seen it. Like start with this one because um, if you're only going to see one, this is the one, right? Or <laughs> it could be like, this is, it's so good that you're going to want to watch more of these. Right. Um, and you're going to get a lot of what you got from this one, because like I'm saying, it, it is, it is reflective of his other movies um so yeah you want that miyazaki dreamlike uh visuals check this out <laughs> you're gonna dig it all right with that we can wrap up the episode this is farewell from henry perferio and christian